In school, we call this the inverted classroom, where we kind of do the opposite of what you'd expect in a lesson. So for Bill and Frank's guilt-free pleasures, we're doing a song today called How Do You Talk to an Angel? But Frank, I want to start by just telling you how you talk to an angel. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because this has been something I've been, I've been wondering about for, for a long, long time. Well, the great thing about living in the 21st century is you can just type this into YouTube. And I found a spiritualist who gave us the answers. Number one, automatic writing. Just sit there and write. Whatever comes to your mind. Okay, but that's not talking, that's writing. That's her first thing, automatic okay. writing. Gotcha. Then, ask a question. Any question. But here's the key. You got to wait for an answer. Okay. Okay, ready? Ask a question. Will this podcast ever be successful? This is a timestamp. Well, it's been 20 minutes. I think we better just go on with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there has been no answer. Finally, she said, ask for a word, picture, or a feeling. Got to be honest, that's kind of like the ask a question. But she said, I just got a word. The word is, and then she mentioned something where I'm like, ah, that word could mean anything. Yeah. Well, I would, I would, uh, you know, ask for a feeling. I would ask to, you know, cut to the feeling. Very, of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jamie Walters didn't live in the 21st century. He lived in the 20th century. You know what? Like that whole spiritualist description of how you talk to an angel that reminds me of how i used to talk to uh to girls on the phone because i would write out what i would say to them and i'd ask them questions and wait for them to respond which you know inevitably they never did but you know i it was because i i I mean i still have no game right but i had even less back then and uh i had to say all right conversation topics what what can we talk about and what can we make sure that there's not like you know 17 minutes of just awkward pause so, could you give me a, a word, a picture, or a feeling? I told you, I was uh, I was going to cut to the feeling. What word? Oh, geez, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's ju- let's jump into into okay. into the heights. <laughs> How do you talk to an angel? Yeah. How do you hold her close to where you are? How do you talk to an angel? I want to start off by saying that this is an exciting time right now because Bill and I have tried to record this episode, I'm going to say at least five times in the last like two weeks and something has always come up and it's just, we've never been able to meet. So I'm very excited that we're back in the Winchester, back recording, and we're finally doing the heights. Yeah. How do you talk to an angel? I think a song that we have referenced at least 84 times. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a run of episodes where we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I don't want to steal from the spiritualist here, but I think we, uh, we should be listening to the angel of guilt-free pleasures, who's basically saying that now is the time. Yes. Now is the time. This is the place. This podcast is happening. Tell me, tell me the words to define the way I feel about someone so fine. How do 
So, song history. Well, this has an interesting history to it because it's from the album The Heights. Yeah, but it's also the the theme song to the show called The Heights. And it was like featured on the show. Yeah. So like it like not just in the in uh, as the uh, opening song, but this was a uh, kind of the, the song that closed out that very first episode of The yeah. Heights. So the the Heights for for those of us who aren't uh, aren't aware and weren't uh, weren't hip back in the early '90s was a show that was about a, a fictional band called The Heights in a city. In, um, the, the city's never really sort of established. You kind of figure it's L.A., but the the suburb of the city is called The Heights. So the band is The Heights that stay in The Heights, and the show is The Heights. So The Heights is obviously a theme that's that's running throughout everything. I think they just lost sort of creative juice maybe when they were yeah. creating this show. And once this song hit number one, the show fell right from the heights. Well, I don't think it ever reached a height. No, no, I don't think it did either. But um, yeah, so so this was a show and it, it, it was in the same genre as um, Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place. It was an Aaron Spelling show. Um, yeah. And then like the... Uh, show following a, a year or two later, a Party of Five. So it was about um, like young adults, sort of young adults uh, living in a city, you know, blue collar workers, you know, they all hold down jobs, but then they come together to perform or, or rehearse and perform as the heights. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking for their big break. It's a pretty depressing show. I watched a full episode. Yeah. It, well, no, I, I couldn't get through it. I got through two parts of an episode, different ones, and they just, oh man, there was nothing to hook me in. Yeah. So when when the show came out, though, being being the, uh, I guess I would have been 15 when when, yeah. when this came out and, you know, big fan of 90210 uh, when, when it was uh, playing as well. And I remember seeing like the advertisements and everything and uh, knowing that the show was coming out so... You know, it's it's an Aaron Spelling show, so it's like it's going to be like Beverly Hills 90210. It's going to be like young adults, melodrama, and there's going to be a band involved in music. Like the pilot episode when it was shown, that was essentially my moon landing. Like that was such <laughs> a big cultural event to, in my life. I can't tell you specifically that this is exactly what happened, but uh, if I if I recall correctly, like. I was I was at a hockey practice and then like I'm hustling out of off the ice to get changed as quickly as I can cuz I'm not missing a minute of this show. Like it was such a big important thing to me because wow. I had all those things that I that I thought were important in life at the time. Did you have any sort of feelings about the show after you watched it or is it like when we were that age I couldn't tell if anything was good until I've, it was a couple episodes in. Well, I couldn't tell if it was good or not until someone told me that it was yes. good or popular. Like, yeah. what do the popular kids at school think? Just like, not good? It's like, oh, oh. yeah, I hated that too. That was terrible. I, I think I remember like really loving the first episode because yeah. they closed the episode with this song. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I and just, the video is up on YouTube. We'll yeah. put it in the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The dad from Danger Bay is in this. And it was his big break because Danger Bay was on from 85 to 90. Mm-hmm. So those who are in Canada will know what I'm talking about. And yeah, those yeah. who are not, well, I'm sure you could find Danger Bay. Type it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what did Danger Bay do? Is it like um, they were rescuing people stranded on lakes? I think so. Yeah. On bays mostly. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly 
well, danger bay. The danger bay, yeah. You think that people wouldn't go there because it, you know, its name indicates that it's dangerous. It's like right? the Canadian Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, little did this poor guy, the father from Danger Bay, know he was actually walking into a Bermuda Triangle when he went to the Heights. Yeah. Which didn't even make it 13 episodes. They'd filmed 13, yeah. only aired 12. Yeah. So, and sorry, guys. Sort of, uh, I don't, you can explain this to me if it's ironic or not, but. Uh, so this song shot to number one on the charts, but as soon as it fell from number one, that's when they uh, canceled the show. Is that ironic or is that coincidental or is that just like dirty pool? Well, it's called The Heights. And so when they hit number one, they actually hit their lowest point. So yeah, so the opposite is happening than what's intended. Yeah. I think that's irony. Yeah. Well, you'll ask Alanis Morissette. She'd say yes. Well, yeah. Regardless. Yeah, it's not a black fly in your Chardonnay, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yes. All right, so even though it's by the band The Heights, when you go to that Wikipedia page and you look at the personnel, it's like the who's who of session musicians. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah. for Jamie Walters, who sings, and yeah. then the characters actually get some uh, backing vocals at the very end of the song. But yeah. other than that, it's it's these session players. Yeah, it's all session musicians. So, so Jamie Walters... Um, um, so let's let's backtrack a little bit, and we're, we're going to talk about the band on on the Heights a, a little bit here. So he was never initially in the Heights, but he has a thing for the saxophone player, and and, and I'm trying to remember exactly what what went down. But uh, basically, he he's he's a uh, um, oh shit. Oh yeah. So the saxophone player in the Heights, she works at a coffee shop that has this open mic night and he's doing some poetry and he, he writes this poem for, uh, the saxophone player whose name is Rita McDougal. Okay. So he recites this poem about her. They kind of start dating and then he shows up at the rehearsal space at the end of the episode and the usual sort of lead singer's not there. And he's like, Hey guys, I got this song, and they break into this this song, and automatically the band sort of picks it up so so easily. Because I'm I'm thinking because it's such an awesome, well written song that, and these are such like top notch musicians that they just you know they they feed off of it automatically, right? I love that part of the the show where this is what all those shows do is they come with a song, and then people hear it and they catch the groove. And then it becomes a fully formed song, having never heard it, having no idea what his next words are. But I just assume that this is how you make music. Yeah. And then suddenly the the, the music is formed and it is completely not how people write music <laughs> no. at all. Well, I would like to, I'd like to reach out to our um, listeners who are musicians and in bands and, and everything like uh, Chris Newkirk, if, if he could comment on this or... Or um, uh, Chris Coop, who was on an episode. Yeah. I know he's he's in a band and everything. Like, is this the way that songs are written? I'm 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 assuming like this is this kind of formed my my idea of how bands work. This show, right? So I'm assuming this is how songs are written. You just sort of start jamming, and then everyone just comes in this cohesive idea, right? And it just comes out perfect, right off, right off the floor, right? It's like how we make a podcast. Well, we just yeah. sit here, we speak, and I don't do any editing. We just release it yeah, right away. Exactly. 
there are no cuts because we make zero mistakes. That's right. <laughs> so in the in the TV show that will be called Bill and Frank's Guilty Pleasures about our podcast, Bill and Frank's Guilty Pleasures, mm-hmm. it will end every episode with this like perfect podcast. Okay, sidebar, who would uh, who would play your character? Josh Groban. I was going to say Josh Groban. He has a little bit of acting experience. Yeah, too. well, I, I wouldn't want someone who's green. I'd yeah. want somebody who could actually pull off playing Bill Hauser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who'd play you? If I had my choice, it'd be a young Kevin Costner, but uh, yeah. that okay, uh, well. goes without saying. Well, I could have a young Jimmy Seward, I suppose, if we're playing that game. <laughs> Okay, so this we better talk about this song. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you can you can watch you can watch episodes of the Heights on on YouTube and and wherever you can pirate, you know, old TV shows and stuff like that. Give it a watch. Um, good so luck. yeah, good luck. So Jamie Walters is the the guy that sings on the show and on this single. Yeah. So when the show was being created, and I know we're talking about the song, but I, we have to talk a little bit more about about the show and and. Uh, and his casting, the, the casting agent said, like, I got the perfect guy for you. He looks like James Dean, and he sounds like Brian Adams. It's like, he, he's bad. your guy. Yeah, that's not bad, actually. No, he's, no, no, no. Especially for 1992. Yeah. Yeah. He does have a Brian. He's like a, he's a Brian Adams-esque move. He's yeah, no he's, Brian Adams. No, but he's, no, no. He's got that little bit of a rasp to his voice. Yeah. yeah. Jamie Walters is the is the lead singer of the of this song and and for the band. Yeah. But it was written by uh, a a couple, uh, Stephen and Stephanie Tyrell, who who wrote uh, they they were involved in in the music on the show, and they also wrote the theme song to California Dreams. Right. Which is a show about another fictitious band. I think they also wrote Hold On, which was a a, a hit for. Jamie Walters two years later. Yes. That yeah. sounds pretty nearly identical to this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, we'll talk about that one later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Frank, you actually brought this up when we were listening to it before we began. Yeah. The uh, musical connection. So the oh, here's the opening lines of the song. Now, Frank, what does this sound like? It sounds like a crowded house. Don't dream it's over. Yeah, that's a good call. It just sounds familiar, right? It sounds familiar and comfortable. And I think that's what drew people in in the in the '90s, and and uh, well, and it still holds a very close place in my heart uh, today, obviously, right? So yeah. We're talking about it now. Well, when I hear this song, so when I we go through it, it sounds more like a TV theme than a song song. Yeah. This, this is belongs on TV. Yeah. And just everything about it feels like transition music for a T, like that you'd put it in between acts of a TV show. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like a rock song. No, it is and it isn't, right? Like it kind of straddles that line a little bit. What do you, what's your thoughts on the lyric? First verse here, I hear her voice in my mind. I know her face by heart. Heaven and earth are moving in my soul. 
and I don't know where to start. It feels like he doesn't know where to start. There's a lot of different... He's going a lot of different places there. Yeah. I hear a voice in my mind. I know her face by heart. Heaven and earth are moving in my soul. I don't know where to start. The verse is really not what the song is about. Uh, the song is obviously about the chorus. Yeah. And the chorus is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, well, we'll dive into the lyrics a little bit more, but do you have a favorite part of the song? My favorite part, in a way, just is the second verse, because it, it's kind of funny, because it seems like they just quit writing, where the second verse is just two lines, and I think there's this moment where I think they both said, okay, listen, all it's about is this hook, which is our chorus, mm-hmm. and who cares about it? Because by the time you get to verse two, it's at night, I dream she is there, and I could feel her in the air. And that's it's like, <laughs> all right, let's go to that pre-chorus. Like, yeah. Wait a second. That's that's all you have? So yeah. every time I f- hear it, I just kind of smile. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm just trying to picture them writing it, where they say, okay, I got a line here. At night, I dream, and she is there. And the other person is like, I got it. I can feel her in the air. Yep. Okay, yeah. Sure. All right, let's yeah. just, all right, the end. What? We'll just go with co- pre-chorus, yeah. chorus, the end of the song. And night I dream. She is there, and I can feel her in the air. Tell me, tell me. I can feel her in the air. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, I get it. She's I an angel. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, it, so the person is literally an angel? Or is this a memory of her? I think it's just a figurative thing. Like, right. it, it's, it's about a crush, right? It's about right. someone that you you want to talk to. Right. But you can't. Again, this is why I had cue cards when I talked to talk to girls on the phone. I'm not lying. This is I actually, great. I've actually done that before. It's, this is, oh my goodness, this is embarrassing for me. I've, uh, I've admitted too much. That's okay. I think we're really making a breakthrough. All right, what's your favorite part of the song? Well, my favorite part is the part that he doesn't sing. Okay, the would we call it a musical interlude? No. It's it's right in the middle of the it's right in the chorus. Yeah. It, it's it's right at the end. It's uh uh sorry, it, it's sorry, it's right in the middle of the chorus. Yep. But uh how do you talk to an angel? How do you hold her close to where you are? There's a pause there. And there's just eternity in that pause, right? There's all sorts of feels, and you're just like you can you can tell it just sort of emphasizes the emotional bent on on the song, right? That's my favorite part that that pause. Yeah, that's a good call. And it's and how he says are. How do you talk to an angel? How do you hold her close to where you ah? Yeah, it's not even R, it's ah. Yeah. I think it's from Boston. Isn't yeah, it? but then he's got to say it's like cu- trying to catch a falling star. Yeah, he doesn't say that though. No. I think he just says star. Yeah, I'm no producer, but I'm like, hey, Jamie, you can just say R. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know, you throw your pirate in there. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
it's quite a chorus. Like you know when yeah. they wrote this, they had the chorus. That's all you needed. Yeah. And it worked. They got number one for two weeks. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the big thing. Yeah. It was sandwiched between two massive hits. Yeah. Because it knocked off Boys to Men, End of the Road. Right. And, and then, then it was knocked off by Whitney Houston. Um I will always love you. I will always love you. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I can't believe I, I yeah. blanked on that. And that, that was song. number one forever. So yeah. this is in a well, year where there's hardly any number ones. Yeah, exactly. Boys to Men, Whitney Houston. Yeah. So that's ha- that was almost half of the year were those two wow. songs, really. <laughs> I feel it hasn't aged like other songs have where yeah. I think people people enjoy it though. If you heard yeah. this, this is a guilt free pleasure. If you hear it, you're gonna sing with it. It's fun. This is stereotypical, like Early 90s soft rock. Oh, my goodness. Yes. With some odd choices. Okay. So, the odd thing to me, because this is 92. Yep. And I can't think of at least rock songs like, like that they're trying to be mm-hmm. that in 92 still had saxophone in it. I know. And um, we were talking about this before we started the episode. In our earlier episodes, we were all about the sax. And uh, we kind of got away from that. But this is bringing it back. Oh, but yeah. It, but it's also the way the sax plays with the guitar, right? Yeah, it transitions really nicely. Yeah. And it just is out of place. It really is something from 89 yeah. in 92. Yeah. Because really by this point, Smells Like Teen Spirit is out. This yeah. is 92. Yeah. And so there is that moment of the way the guitar plays where you're like, oh, there's a bit of bit of that grunge feel. But this doesn't belong at all because really this is the opposite to what indie rock or alternative rock rather of that era stood for yeah this is corporate rock well this is oh, yes very this much might be so. the ultimate corporate rock yeah. song well it's trying to you know live its life in two camps like with yeah. a foot in each camp right oh yeah so that that's why you have the have that guitar and you have that uh have that sax and the way they sort of interplay with each other yeah right but I I always love the sax. So even though oh, yeah. I mean, but I guess I really did like corporate rock. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There, I I'm 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 a complete and utter sellout. So I'm yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So after this, I think the only rock that would get saxophone would be Dave Matthews, which is his own special yeah. thing. Yeah, like yeah. Like Asterix. Yeah. But this was like... Um, That's like Dirty Hippie Jam Band type of music, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, this one, this is why I think it belongs in a TV show. Because Beverly Hills had, at least it feels like it had a saxophone. It might yeah. not have, but it might as well have had a saxophone. Yeah. We talked about this Growing Pains... Great yeah. saxophone yeah. in that one. And you start listing songs. And anytime they make fun of sitcoms or TV shows of the era, they would play a saxophone line in between. Yeah, yeah. There's a great Ben Stiller sketch. The Stereo Gum article on this referenced it as well, yeah. where there's a Beverly Hills 90210 knockoff on the Ben Stiller show. Yeah. And it was all about a character having a headache. Which also only lasted about 10 episodes. Yeah, exactly. It was really, yeah, which was. <laughs> Unlike the Heights, the yeah. Unstiller show was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's ahead of its time, really. Yeah. 
Well, let, let's let's talk about the guitar and like that the ending with the guitar and the sax yeah. and everything. Let's... Yeah, because it all. I mean, we get a lot of. If I just grab them, grab the lyrics here in front of me yeah. here. So we have. If we're looking line by line, there's four lines for the first verse. Yeah. Two lines for the second verse. And then there's pre-chorus stuff. Yeah. Tell me, tell me the words to define the way I feel about someone so fine. Yeah. I don't count that as a verse. That's pre-chorus. Pre-chorus, yeah. And then, how do you talk to an angel? There's a bridge in there too, right? I think, well, you could call the musical interlude like the bridge, that like kind of breakdown they have. But they never do any sort of, at least it doesn't seem to me that there's any real key changes. I don't know if Jamie Walter's voice is meant for key changes. Yeah. <laughs> so... But they keep going back. Just basically, it's a oh, well. They just keep pulling up. How do you talk to an angel? Oh yeah, again and again. So by the end, after the second verse, there's three more choruses. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had a formula that worked, right? Like yeah. it, it made it to number one. Just, just keep repeating that chorus, right? Yeah. And that's that's what makes this song. And um, I think it's place in sort of uh, culture, especially with us growing up and, and everything. That's why it's a guilt-free pleasure to me, right? Like, the, yeah. this is nothing that I'm ever going to be embarrassed about. Like, if no. anyone brings up the heights, like, yep, I will fully admit I watched that show and I love this song. Yeah. And when you hear it, you're going to sing along to it. Yeah. Even if you didn't like it. If you didn't think you liked it, you really do like yeah. it. Like, yeah. Who doesn't like this? Yeah. Come on. Well, and especially right at the end, right? There's the the yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it fades out with that sax line. And it's yeah. just, oh my goodness, like corporate rock, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that would be, that's her, well, your other favorite part. Is yeah. The end of yeah, the yeah, song. yeah, 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 yeah. And we all know the end because usually there's a fade out, but we know that this is not a fade out, which is kind of rare at that time as well. Yep. So, um, well, let's jump into some categories. Let's see. Did you do, uh, you got a mixtape or do you, uh, or song universe? Um, So full disclosure, I'm not getting a lot of uh, internet um, Mm -hmm. out here and I'm, I'm working a lot off of memory. Yeah. So my mixtape is actually songs we've already done. Okay. Because right. this this is a song about talking to a crush. Yeah. So obviously crush. Good call. Jennifer Page. Yep. Um, call me maybe. Yep. Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, we've done we've done a couple of other songs about how, crush. How about Angel Eyes? Well, Angel Eyes, yeah. But but no no because we we that that's a song about a like. It's not like longing for or trying to talk to that. That's someone who like why is this he, angel? Yeah, why yeah. is this angel? Yeah, exactly. To me? Right. That's yeah. the opposite. One wants to talk to it, the other's yeah. like, why are you talking to me? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I feel it lives in the world of like a Beverly Hills soundtrack. Yeah. It also has to me the sort of Springsteen light wannabe feel. Yeah. And okay. so. And this isn't a slag, it shouldn't be slagging Mellencamp, but to me it's like, okay, maybe more John Mellencamp style. Like, yeah. I think they want to have that Heartland Rock feel. Yeah. It's not as good as John Mellencamp. And there's also a little bit of Bon Jovi, but okay. not Bon Jovi. Like, yeah. it's trying to it's hit... It's Bon Jovi light. It's well, all... It's everything yeah, light, it's right? everything light. Yeah. And so, I really think that Aaron Spelling saw the commitments and thought that, oh, I want to yeah. make one, but for Americans... Yeah. And he missed sort of the tone because the commitments wasn't popular in our city 
but people who liked it loved it. So I would yeah. go, you'd go to the video store and it was always taken out. Yeah. But only certain people knew the commitments. And he was trying to make a generic commitments, but he lost the whole feel of what that movie was about. Yeah. And, well, clearly it was a failure. Yeah. As a show. And it, it was a bit of a drag. The way they could have improved on this show was if they were solving mysteries while writing music. That's the better show. So if it was Scooby-Doo meets uh, the monkeys. Exactly. With less comedy. Exactly. Okay. So, so my, my mixtape, I just kind of put songs that couldn't be. So basically I'm not putting on any mixtape. Like, sorry, sorry, it doesn't go there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. But I do have, this isn't, maybe this is a specialty category only for this episode. Mm-hmm. But I want you to think about other great TV bands. I actually have them for you. We're we're going to decide what's the greatest of the TV bands and maybe a bit of a rating thing. But listen to them all. Yeah. First one is the Monkees. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So, yep, that's my choice. That's it. Done. All right. Mixtape over. Okay. Brady Bunch. Oh, nope. Wait, they were a band? Yeah, yeah. Sunshine Day. Do you remember when they did Sunshine Day? Yeah. Okay. Next. Okay, maybe you might change your mind on the next one. Partridge Family. Okay, yep, I'm all three. Yep. Okay. Best bands ever. All right, how a gem. She's truly outrageous. Truly, truly outrageous. Okay. I put Fly of the Concords, but I don't count them because they're kind of a joke thing. And yeah. They're all, so, Jesse and the Rippers from Full House. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did a great cover forever by the Beach Boys. Oh, because John Samos played with the Beach Boys yeah, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Josie and the Pussycats. That was a bit before our time, but there yeah. was a cartoon and yeah, yeah. it seemed pretty crazy. There's California Dreams, which mm-hmm. of course comes later. Yep. I got two more. Okay. Saved by the Bell. Yes. Friends Forever. Friends Forever. But I think the ultimate TV band. Okay. They only had one hit, but they're like the ultimate indie rock band. Yep. The Zit Remedy from the I Grassy. was going to say the Zit Remedy. That one's truly a good song. And it's like, oh, to yeah. me, I need to give them, even though the monkeys are the obvious choice, I'm giving it to the Grassy Highs Zit Remedy. Casey Kasem was on the Saved by the Bell one. So so Saved by the Bell is close, but because it's close to that era, but the Zit Remedy has more of a real feel to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Canadiana, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If only the guy from Danger Bay stopped there instead of flying (laughs) over to Los Angeles to make his fortune. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Can Michael Bolton sing this song? Yes, Michael Bolton can sing this song. And I would say that Michael Bolton would bring it to new heights. Yeah. 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 All right. Because this is this is like 92, and this is when Michael Bolton was at his peak power, right? Yeah. I think that this would have been, like, Michael Bolton would have made this song even more popular. Yeah. Yeah. No question. He could easily do this, and it would fit right into his wheelhouse. Yep. Now, as, in terms of Hallmark movies... This is already a TV show. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you about soundtracks this could have been in other movies. What do you think about City of Angels with okay. Nicholas Cage? Well, yeah. A bit on the nose. A bit on the nose, yeah. It's not a bit. It's right on the nose. Yeah. Highway to Heaven. Highway to Heaven, Michael the Landon. movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movie. They, they bring back Victor French and Michael Landon. We might have to do some uh, Pepper's Ghost or something with yeah. it, but make that happen. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't even think what what other movies it it could be in, but well, pretty much any movie I think it, it would it would fit in in the early nineties. Almost an Angel, Paul Hogan, big mistake oh, yeah. of a movie. That was a great movie, was it? No, no. that was awful. It was, it was terrible. an awful movie. Yeah. 
In honor of Bruce Sarholm from our Angel Eyes episode, we cut out where he asked about what kind of wine would you pair with this? The joke, of course, is Bruce knows wines. Yeah. And the other joke is that we don't. Yeah. So the heights, what type of wine would you pair with how would you talk to an angel? Baby duck, that's a wine, right? Like that, <laughs> that's yeah. really, yeah, yeah, baby duck. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. More for you. Yeah. Just in honor of Jamie Walters. A mm-hmm. little bit of um, history of Jamie Walters. He was he was engaged to Drew Barrymore. That's right. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah. He became a paramedic and a firefighter. He was also Donna Martin's abusive boyfriend on Beverly Hills 90210. Season five and six. Yeah. Ray Pruitt. Ray Pruitt. That's only right. one T because his mom could only afford one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a bad joke. Yeah. Better joke is from Jean-Claude Van Damme's, oh, what's the movie? Hard Target. So, in Jean-Claude Van Damme's Hard Target, his name is Chance. They said, why is your name Chance? And he said, because my mama took one. <laughs> so, Chance, Chance Pruitt would have been a way better name. Oh, that would be great. If I ever have a child, it's going to be named Chance Pruitt Pearson. <laughs> exactly. I feel like Ray Pruitt got the screw over because when they introduced him, yeah. he was a character who's the classic brooding boyfriend yeah. who's an artist. Yeah, from the wrong side of from the tracks. From the wrong side of the tracks, and he doesn't like these rich kids, and he judges them. And like this is classic Beverly Hills now too, and I was like, don't judge me. Just because I'm rich doesn't mean I don't have a heart. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, rich people do have hearts. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so invested in these people. So Donna Martin dates Ray Pruitt. And then everything's going fine. He's writing music. He gets to sing. I think he's saying hold on in one of the episodes. Okay. Then yeah. they have him sleep with Valerie. All right. Which yeah. is like such a... One is Valerie, she slept with every character on the show. Yeah. I think she even made it with Brandon and their cousins. So I know this is a tangential thing, but that really bugs me. They were cousins? They were cousins, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't pay attention to those seasons. I paid a lot of attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, she probably should have stayed in that band with uh, Zach, the Zach attack. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then Ray Pruitt gets becomes abusive. Yeah. And the, there's a famous thing where he pushes her accidentally down the stairs. Yeah. It was the kiss of death for Jamie Walters because they thought they'd try to redeem the characters. Like, you can't redeem a character who abuses somebody. Yeah. It was done. So after that episode where Ray Pruitt pushes her down the stairs and everything, at Jamie Walters' concerts, people were showing up to them holding these big signs saying, leave Donna alone and everything, which was pretty much ended his music career. It did. And so apparently what ends up happening, he's claimed that he wanted to be written off the show. Yeah. I don't believe that because it's a paying gig. Yeah. I know musicians. Yeah. It's a paying gig. So, yeah. but what really happened was Aaron Spelling said, it makes Donna look weak. We need to get rid of him. It's like, yeah. why do you got to do this? This is what happens when you put your daughter into a show. Yeah. So they had this big plan doing this character arc redemption. Mm-hmm. And so I watched, I mean, I did some deep research. I watched an entire interview with the screen play writers who then talked about <laughs> oh the Ray goodness. Pruitt episode and how dis- when they were told to fire him and they had this plan. So they brought him back for like an episode mm-hmm. where David got hooked on gambling for about 45 minutes when they yeah. went to Vegas. Yeah. And he tells people off to uh, to look after him. Yeah. 
So that's what we got for Port Ray Pruitt. But he yeah. did have a song called Hold On. Yes. Which was a good song. Yeah. That holds up too. Yeah. And also it's called Hold On. There's three songs called Hold On from the 90s that were yeah. popular. Well, that, Wilson Phillips and... Uh... What was the other one? I know. I, I, I meant to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a third one out there. There's a third somewhere. one out there. We're going to find it. I'm mean, so disappointed when I find out. And then we will do an episode on yeah. it, even though we're disappointed. Jamie Walters did release another album, a third album after yep. the end, and it didn't do great, but whatever. He didn't care. He's, he's yep. working as a firefighter paramedic. Yep. And if you follow YouTube comments, people are like, yeah, he's a nice guy. Save my friend. It's yeah. like, so he's he's doing just fine. Yeah. 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 I, I watched a, a bit of a, like a VH1 episode where yeah. they were talking, like, you know, where are they now? Kind of like, a, this was popular when, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, it was... Uh, Basically, Jamie Walters was was saying that part of the downfall of the Heights, because uh, there wasn't a whole lot of chemistry between the characters, yeah. is uh, they were all jealous of him, yeah. according to him. Yeah. Well, Which, yeah, at least there was some sort of passion, because there's nothing going on yeah, in know, that show. Right? Oh, my moon landing was so uneventful. Yeah. The show that, that never was. Yeah, yeah. Um, where would you hear this song? Where are you, where are you most likely to hear this song? Well, doctor's office, dentist's office. Yeah. Anywhere where you're going to hear um, uh, a lower grade Richard Marks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If it was going in competition against any of our other guilt-free pleasures, yeah. I don't think this is winning. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think so. But it's still, it's still important to us. Yeah. It's part of the guilt-free universe. Oh, yeah. And so it has a place at the table. Yeah. You know, when it comes into the room, don't take... Don't take a fancy spot at the table. Yeah, I think I think it sits at the kids' table. <laughs> Now, as we come to a close here, I realize that it really is a rhetorical question because I think what the Heights are saying is you can't talk to an angel because it's like trying to catch a falling star, right? And you yeah. you can't catch a falling star. No, you'll get burnt. Yeah. But even though we know it's impossible, we're still going to ask you, to tell us and tell us the words to define the way we feel about music so fine. <laughs> 